This week, Promesa Oversight Board aims to certify amended fiscal 2022 budget to meet March 15 plan of adjustment effective date. Reorg analyzes Cineworld restructuring options. Second Circuit dismisses as moot white box appeal of Transocean summary judgment ruling on breach claims. Judge Dorsey confirms Malincrop plan preserving non-consensual third-party releases. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high-yield distress set in bankruptcy. For this week's Deep Dive, America's Court Credit by Reorg Legal Analyst Sean Daly returns to follow up on last week's discussion of bankruptcy lockup and voting agreements in the Grupo Aeromexico and Latin bankruptcies and gives us an update on some important recent developments in both cases. It's Friday, February 4. On Thursday, the Promesa Oversight Board announced that Executive Director Natalie Juresco will resign her post effective April 1st and has launched a public search for a replacement. Juresco will assist in the transition. The Oversight Board said that under Juresco's leadership, the Oversight Board has made substantial progress for Puerto Rico's future, pointing to the recently confirmed Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment that reduces the government's debt by 80% and ending a decade of deficit spending. In a telephone interview with Reorg following the announcement, Juresco said the Oversight Board would take the Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment effective before a March 15 deadline. Juresco also said that before her departure, the Oversight Board would file the Puerto Rico Highways and Transportority Authority Plan of Adjustment and make progress on the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority's debt restructuring. According to a letter released on Monday by the Promesa Oversight Board, the Oversight Board is aiming to certify an amended fiscal 2022 budget that covers payments contemplated in the confirmed Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment, which would represent a key step toward the targeted plan effective date of March 15th. The letter establishes a timeline for the budget amendment process and states that the revenue sources totaling $27.75 billion will be used for the amended fiscal 2022 budget. In testimony on Tuesday before the U.S. Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, Puerto Rico Governor Pedro Pierluisi indicated that with the Commonwealth's plan of adjustment now confirmed and two major pending debt restructurings expected to advance this year, the committee needs to take action to clarify when the work of the Promesa Oversight Board should be terminated. Also during the hearing, U.S. US Senator Joe Manchin, the committee chairman, pledged to follow up on a recommendation by U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan Jr. to use the Treasury's full faith and credit to back bonds issued by the USVI and other small U.S. territories, which would enable the jurisdictions to refinance their outstanding debt at reasonable rates. Cineworld's recent appeal of a $958.5 million damages judgment handed down by a Canadian court stemming from a lawsuit by Cineplex alleging that Cineworld breached a merger agreement between the two companies when it terminated the merger in June 2020 may delay its need to pay Cineplex. Even so, advisors to the company's lenders have evaluated what a Chapter 11 scenario might look like. Reorg this week published an analysis estimating recoveries for Cineworld creditors, including Cineplex. Since more than $5 billion of funded debt claims must be paid off first, Cineplex judgment claimants would likely receive little to no recovery in the event of a bankruptcy filing, as value is unlikely to flow to Cineworld's ultimate parent, where the judgment claimants would need to look for value. For this same reason, Cineworld's unsecured convertible note holders could be left with little to no recovery in the event of a bankruptcy filing. If you're interested in accessing Reorg's in-depth analysis of Cineworld and other distressed companies and situations, please reach out to a Reorg sales representative. On Tuesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit issued a summary order dismissing as moot White Box's appeal of District Judge George Daniels' December 2020 decision granting Transocean's motion for summary judgment on White Box's indenture breach. The order also vacates the District Court's January 2021 judgment in favor of Transocean and remands the case to District Court with instruction to dismiss both parties' claims and counterclaims as moot. Because the appeal is moot, the Court of Appeals does not address the merits of White Box's allegation that Transocean breached the indenture for its 8% priority guaranteed notes due 2027 by creating new structurally senior holding companies to guarantee for new notes issued in exchange offers earlier in 2020. 
According to Whitebox, the restructuring breached a 2027 notes indenture because the newly formed guarantors were required to, but did not, guarantee the existing 2027 notes. At oral argument on January 4th, counsel to Whitebox raised the importance of a ruling in light of Transocean's prior representations that it quote, may seek to utilize in the future a similar structure pursuant to the same indenture provisions at issues. Second Circuit Judge William Nardini dismissed the concern and said, quote, let them try it again and sue them. In the order, the Second Circuit notes that, quote, Transocean indicated oral argument that it had no intention of repeating the, alleged, the challenged action, even though it prevailed in the court below, only reinforces our conclusion that the appeal before us is moot. On Thursday, a month after the close of a hotly contested trial, Judge John Dorsey issued an opinion confirming Mallinckrodt's fourth amended plan. The decision is a victory for the Mallinckrodt debtors and other plan supporters who defended the plan against a volley of objections. Judge Dorsey overruled all plan objections other than the U.S. Trustee's objection to the scope of the exculpation provisions, specifically its inclusion of parties other than the state fiduciaries and its retroactive application back to the prepetition period. In his decision, Judge Dorsey directs the debtors to modify this provision and submit a revised proposed confirmation order. Crucially, Judge Dorsey concluded the plan satisfies cram-down requirements and does not unfairly discriminate against Actar insurance claimants, Attestor, and Humana. The court sided with the debtor's view that the Class 6A Akhtar claimants are receiving far greater recoveries under the plan than they would otherwise be entitled to in comparison to baseline recoveries to those classes under the absolute priority rule. The opinion also reaffirms the viability of third-party releases in the Third Circuit after the U.S. trustee attempted to defeat the releases in Malakrat's plan by citing the Southern District of New York's Purdue decision. Judge Dorsey approved the plan's non-consensual release of opioid claims and the release of non-opioid claims, which the judge held were consensual in light of the opt-out mechanism. Judge Dorsey acknowledged that the Purdue Court and the Eastern District of Virginia in Asena came to contrary conclusions, but he emphasized, I'm applying the law of the Third Circuit, which has recognized the bankruptcy courts do have statutory and constitutional authority to approve a plan of reorganization that contains non-consensual third-party releases, albeit only in extraordinary cases. In a press release on Thursday evening, Malincrot said that it expects to emerge from Chapter 11 in the first half of 2022. The company also states that in the coming days, it intends to commence Irish examinership proceedings, which are required to implement certain Irish law aspects of the reorganization and allow the debtors to exit bankruptcy. Top Red Stories this week included returns on equity rights offerings for backstop parties average 35% at plan value. Secured claims funded backstop returns greatly exceed those funded by unsecured equity. Adjusted returns significantly higher than commitment agreements stated fees. Chapter 11 voting edge cases limits of U.S. trustee committee composition power and Toys R Us under the microscope. Citibank sees U.S. Supreme Court review of Second Circuit Madoff decision placing burden to show good faith on defendants in SIPA fraudulent conveyance actions. Ultra Petroleum argued to Fifth Circuit that FERC position on rejection jurisdiction would upend Chapter 11 process. Now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, everyone. It will be an eventful week, including a slate of earnings to be released. Turning first to court matters, trial on the Intelsat debtor's objection to SES Americom's claim will kick off on Monday, February 7th. SES is seeking $421 million against the debtors for breaches of the party's 2018 C-Band Alliance Consortium Agreement. Also on Monday, February 7th, is a hearing in the core group banking cases where the debtors will seek disclosure statement approval and extension of their exclusivity periods. The matters were originally slated for hearing this week, but were continued to next week to facilitate the debtors' discussions to resolve the UCC's objections. Basic Energy also has a Monday hearing where the debtors are to show cause why their Chapter 11 cases should not be converted to Chapter 7. Today, the debtors urged the court to reschedule the hearing so that the debtors could continue monetization of their assets with the goal of proposing a Chapter 11 plan.
Tuesday, February 8th, we'll see Johnson & Johnson subsidiary LTL Management seek a four-month extension of their exclusivity periods after postponing the hearing from this week. Judge James Garrity is slated to issue a ruling on Tuesday on the LATAM Airlines debtor's exclusivity extension request. The judge took the matter under advisement after hearing argument earlier this week. On Wednesday, February 9th, Just Energy will seek an extension of the stay period, currently set to expire on February 17th to March 4th. The company says it expects to file a plan ahead of a March 3rd hearing. The LATAM Airlines debtors will return to court on Thursday, February 10th, to obtain approval of their disclosure statement and their proposed backstop agreements. The UCC will seek disallowance of a $1.3 billion LATAM finance intercompany claim at the same time. Also on Thursday, February 10th, as part of our litigation coverage of Texas two-step bankruptcy cases, Western District of North Carolina bankruptcy judge Craig Whitley is set to issue a ruling in the DBMP debtor's case, specifically on motions to dismiss the asbestos claimant's complaint and motions seeking to undo the debtor's Texas divisional merger. As for earnings, they will be reported on Tuesday, February 8th by Aramark, Nabors Industries, and Peloton, followed on Wednesday, February 9th by MGM Resorts International, NGL Energy Partners, and CoreCivic. On Thursday, February 10th, PBF Logistics and PG&E will report their earnings. And on Friday, February 11th, Cleveland Clips will do the same. That's it for me from Los Angeles, with today being February 4th, when back in 1789, the United States Electoral College met for the first time and elected George Washington as the first president of the United States. Back to you in New York. For this week's Deep Dive, America's core credit by URIG legal analyst Sean Daly returns, following up on last week's discussion of bankruptcy Lacmavote agreements in the Grupo Aeromexico and Latin bankruptcies, and gives us an update on some important recent developments in both cases. This is Sean Daly from the Reorg Americas team, back with an update to the post-petition pre-disclosure statement approval solicitation discussion from last week. Hours after David Zupkis and I recorded that segment on Friday, January 28th, events in the Aeromexico and Latam Airlines bankruptcies rendered it stale, almost instantly. Our deep dive this week is a quick rundown on what happened. In Aeromexico, on Friday, January 28th, the debtors announced a settlement with the remaining confirmation objectors, uh, Invictus and the ad hoc OPCO creditor group. The debtors received uh, Invictus's agreement to vote its claims in favor of the plan. And Invictus and the uh, OPCO creditor group of which it's a member would get their attorney's fees paid uh, Invictus would dismiss its appeal of the order enforcing uh, the, the plan support agreement that we talked about last week. And that order itself would be vacated. So no, no bad creditor unfriendly decision on file. Last week, David and I stared into our Magic 8 ball and predicted that Invictus might have more leverage to keep its appeal alive given the recent creditor-favorable rulings in the Southern District of New York District Court in the Purdue Pharma case. Lo and behold, Invictus's appeal was assigned on Friday the 28th to the judge who ruled, uh, the district court judge who ruled against Purdue. One of our reporters tracked down per their sources that this judicial assignment accelerated settlement negotiations between the debtors and Invictus. In LATAM Airlines, during day two of the contested disclosure statement hearing, again on the afternoon of Friday, January 28th, 
the UCC and US trustee argued the point in UCC's supplemental disclosure statement objection that the debtors had, uh, similar to the argument in Aramexico, uh, violated Section 1125's prohibition on pre-disclosure statement approval voting solicitation by exchanging allowed claim amounts to creditors uh, for planned support in summary uh, claim allowance agreements. Judge Garrity overruled the objection, saying the record before the court did not warrant, quote, putting the plan on hold, but the court acknowledged the U.S. trustee's concerns and said that if the U.S. trustee uh, was free to go and, and do an investigation if it would like, but if it discovers a bigger problem, then the court could deal with that at a later date. Interestingly, in colloquy with counsel to the UCC about two Delaware cases cited by the UCC in both Aeromexico and LATAM, Judge Garrity noted that uh, Delaware bankruptcy judge Mary Walrath had suggested the proper remedy would be to designate the votes of creditors involved in improper deals, uh, sort of focusing on the, the, what I'll call an individual remedy as opposed to the LATAM UCC's framing that, hey, this violation of 1125 would mean you're violating a confirmation requirement rendering the plan patently unconfirmable. Uh, so relative to, to this sort of single creditor focus suggested by the court, UCC counsel suggested there could be, quote, different remedies, and that a systematic issue that, quote, taints the whole voting process uh, beyond a concern with one or two creditors, could shift the concern into the uh, the territory that the UCC suggests is is the way to look at it. Um, you know, the plan itself violates, uh, I think they pointed to 1129A2, the requirement that the plan proponent has complied with the terms of the bankruptcy code. Uh, UCC counsel distinguished the Air Mexico and Philippine Airlines cases cited by the debtors and that we talked about last week. Uh, and UCC counsel noted, uh, similar to what we discussed last week, that in Air Mexico, the court had looked at a history of similar agreements uh, that had already been approved during the case. And UCC counsel suggested the Air Mexico court, quote, with the horse already out of the barn, did not want to go back. Um, and that therefore, it's you know per perhaps not particularly persuasive authority. And then, just as I was about to sit down and, and record this today on February 4th, the UCC and UST and LATAM filed a letter to the court requesting a conference to uh, discuss a discovery dispute with the debtors. The UST says that since the disclosure statement hearing, it has conducted an investigation um, into whether there was any sort of coordinated effort by the debtors to exchange votes for claim allowance amounts in an, in an improper way. Um, so there is more to come on this front in the future. Hopefully not next week, though. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the Reorg.com webinars and podcast page as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.